0: Welcome to Bible Center Church. And thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear his word today. Hey there, please turn in your Bible or your Bible app to Matthew 24, Matthew 24. I want to welcome you. For those of you who are joining us on TV, those of you who are joining us online, thank you so much for being a part of Bible Center. I'm Matt. I'm the lead pastor. I would love to meet you very, very soon if we've not yet had the chance to meet If you haven't yet downloaded the Bible Center app, I want to encourage you to do that. You can get it wherever you get your apps. Uh, I like this app because it allows us to put more sermon notes uh, available to you. And so a lot of what I'm going to say today, or everything I say today, will be in the notes. But there's a lot more uh, than what I have time to say. And so I encourage you to check out the notes and all that's there for your study. Have you ever noticed how life can change in just one day? Have you ever noticed how life can change in just one day? Think about some days in your life where, in just one day, your life changed for good. I remember the day that the back doors of the church opened, and there stood my bride almost 21 years ago, dressed in white, and we made eye contact. I really don't remember much else about the ceremony, but I remember that moment when we made eye contact. And one day, my life changed for good. I remember the days that my, our daughters were born. I remember the day that we adopted our son. I can remember the look on all three of their faces, knowing that they were our children. And one day, life changed for the good. I remember the day, the moment when I received the call back in 2015 uh, to come and candidate to be the lead pastor here at Bible Center. I remember the search committee chairman calling me and I'd been out mowing grass and working in my front yard and I can still to this day remember the color of the tree, the big tree that was in our front yard when we lived in Louisville, Kentucky. I remember the smell of the grass and one day our life changed Uh, for the good. But think to some days in your life when maybe in one day your life changed for the bad. Uh, This couple weeks ago, I drove up to Cleveland Clinic with a good friend and he was telling me about the day that he learned that he had cancer. He, He said the moment that the doctor used that word cancer, it was like life just stood still, like time stood still. And one day his life seemingly Earthly speaking, changed for the bad. I was thinking this week about our middle school pastor. Just a few weeks ago, our middle school pastor woke up to this in his backyard. It was about 4, 4.30 in the morning. He heard a loud crash. Uh, He looked out and actually the engine was on fire. The front of the truck was on fire. So he grabbed, this is Pastor Josh Willits, uh, he grabbed the fire extinguisher, ran out, put the fire out, helped the driver out of the truck, brought him into his house and laid him down. He and his wife, Kate, laid him down on the living room floor. And uh, that's what he experienced. Their interstate runs behind their house, and they never thought that they would have this happen. But due to an ice storm, the truck fell off the road, crossed the guardrail. And that's actually his chicken coop. And so the morning that I got the text and I saw this picture, uh, the middle schooler in me, unfortunately, started making jokes about the chicken coop and the chickens and Chick-fil-A and did he eat scrambled eggs for breakfast. And we were all having good laughs. And Josh was so kind to humor us, but we stopped laughing when Josh sent us this picture. This is the picture from his son's bedroom. And that's when it hit us, how close this was, how close his family was to tragedy. So much in life can change in just one day. Today I want to describe a day in the future, I believe a day in the very near future, when life and eternity will change for billions of people in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It's the greatest day in human history. This is the day where God's ultimate goal for the universe will be accomplished, resulting in the final reward for some and the final judgment for many. This day I'm talking about is the second coming of Jesus Christ to planet Earth. He came the first time in what we now know as Christmas, but Jesus promised that he will come again. Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, when they saw Jesus ascend into heaven, stepping through that ethereal veil into the spiritual heavenly realm, the angel said this to the people who watched the ascension happen, why do you stand here looking into the sky This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Matthew 24, 36, about that day or hour, no one knows. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Here's today's big idea. The big idea of today's message that summarizes it all is this. Jesus could return at any time, so let's be ready all the time. Jesus could return at any time, so let's be ready all the time. Now... For centuries, Christians have debated the timing and the events surrounding the second coming. Affected by the Enlightenment and modernism, Christians, especially over the last few hundred years, have created graphs and charts and diagrams and timelines. Now, in my experience, I do not know, I mean this with all my heart, I do not know any two Bible scholars any two pastors, any two teachers, or any two Christians alive who agree on every aspect of how and when this will take place. And so because of that, I want to urge you today, I want to I ask you, but also I want to beg you, I want to invite you, for the next few minutes, please set all of that aside. Please set all of that aside, whether you're a pre-tribber, a mid-tribber, or a post-tribber whether you're a pre-Miller, a post-Miller, an awe-Miller, or if your last name is Miller, in the next few moments, please lay down your graphs and charts and diagrams and timelines and just ponder this one truth that Christians have agreed upon for two millennia, and that's this, Jesus could return at any time, so let's be ready all the time. Now, I promise today's message will be worth your price of attention. Here's why I believe today's message is so important. What I'm talking about today is not denominational doctrine. Today's message is going to affect Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians and Catholics and atheists and Buddhists and agnostics and Anglicans alike. This isn't just a Christian thing, but it is a planet Earth thing. Jesus is coming again. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and I want you to have a good day on that great day. What I'm talking about today will still be important long after the coronavirus is gone. What I'm talking about today will still matter whether you get a stimulus check or you don't get a stimulus check. What I'm talking about today is going to matter whether you get vaccinated or you don't get vaccinated. Students, what I'm talking about today will matter whether you get that date or you don't get that date. The things we're talking about today are going to be important for you individually. Five years from now, five decades from now, and five million years from now, Jesus could return at any time, so let's be ready all the time. Now, here's a summary of the next few minutes. Today's message is very simple and it moves quickly. Here's a summary. In the next few minutes, I'm going to read through and explain a few verses from Matthew 24, and then I'm going to give you two applications. I'm going to read through Matthew 24, hitting the highlights, and then I'm going to give you two applications. Let's go ahead and dive in, see what God's word says. Matthew 24.3, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, the Mount of Olives provides a spectacular view of the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Uh, for those of you from the Charleston, Canal Valley area, you're familiar probably with the old Sunrise Museum that sets up on the hill overlooking the city of Charleston. It's now owned by Farmer, Klein & Campbell Law Firm. But that whenever you leave the Sunrise Building and you walk down the carriage trail, eventually it opens up into the city of Charleston. And that's really the way the Mount of Olives and the trail from the Mount of Olives down into the city of Jerusalem feels. It's the way it looks. So Jesus grants their request and he gives them a series of signs. He says this in verse four, as Jesus answered, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Now, prior to Jesus' return, he says there's going to be false messiahs. People, we are going to be tempted to follow popular leaders and give our devotion to popular leaders instead of Jesus. False messiahs are nothing new. But Jesus here isn't just speaking in a religious context. He's actually speaking in a very earthly context. Almost every day, prominent people in our world mesmerize us by their power, by their beauty, by their athletic or music ability, or by their popularity. And we don't call them messiahs. We don't say, I'm going to worship you like the messiah, but in our day and age, more than ever through social media, it is so easy to give certain people our devotion, our love, our adoration, our worship instead of Jesus. And so he says, as we'll see in a moment, these things are only going to get worse the closer we get to his second coming. Then he says in verses six and seven, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, wars and rumors of war have been around since the beginning of time, but increasingly in the last century, or a little more than the last century, we've already experienced two world wars. These on the level that the world has never experienced before, global war, cold war, military action, civil war, border conflict, terrorism, revolutions, and even our peacekeeping missions really are now another name for war. And he says here in this passage that nation will rise against nation. If you're taking notes, you'll, you can write down that actually the word nation is the word ethnos. Ethnos will rise against ethnos. What Jesus is saying here is that ethnic groups are going to continually rise against other ethnic groups until the day he returns. So Christians are called, yes, to hate racism and, yes, to hate bigotry and to see that every man, woman, and child are created in the image of God, equally in the image of God, no matter the color of their skin or their ethnicity or their family of origin. But nevertheless, in spite of all of our efforts, and, yes, we must be salt and light, Jesus said, unfortunately, racism is here to stay until he returns. I think we've seen that even in the last couple of years. Then we see at the end of verse 7, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now he's going to start talking about natural disasters and how the natural disasters are going to get worse until he returns. We talk about famines Today, even though many of us in the United States have our our bellies more than filled with food, the world as a whole stands on the brink of unprecedented famine. About 30 million people in just four countries alone are experiencing alarming hunger, severe levels of food insecurity, and malnutrition. That's Nigeria, South Sudan, Somalia, and Yemen. Famine is rampant around the world, often caused by natural things like droughts and floods and earthquakes and insect plagues and plant disease. But much of the world's famine is also man-made, caused by things like war and siege and government corruption and deliberate crop destruction. Famine is a very big part of our world today. But so are earthquakes. So are earthquakes. If you've ever been in an earthquake, I'd love to to hear your story. And if you're watching online, I would encourage you to comment even now and share maybe where and when you experienced an earthquake. I would love to dialogue with you about that. So would our online pastor. But I downloaded this picture. This picture is a real-time image. I downloaded it yesterday uh, that actually shows all the earthquakes from the last five years and their size. And so it's updated second by second, minute by minute. You can Google it. Uh, But the red represents earthquakes today, which in this case was yesterday because I took the screenshot. And then the, the orange represents the day before that. The yellow represents the previous five days, or excuse me, the previous two weeks. And the pink represents the previous two years. The National Earthquake Information Center now locates 20,000 quakes around the globe each year. 20,000. That's 55 earthquakes on average per day on planet Earth. According to our records, since about 1990, we expect about 16 major earthquakes every year. That includes 15 in the magnitude of the 7.0 range and one in the magnitude of the 8.0 or greater range. In the past 50 years, our records show that earthquake strength is increasing. The top 12 earthquakes from the last 50 years were greater than the top 12 earthquakes from the previous 50 years. And so Jesus said, this is what we can expect as the time of his, his, his return approaches now Matthew's account only mentions famine and earthquakes, but Jesus' same sermon is recorded in the Gospel of Mark, and it's recorded in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 21. And interestingly, Matthew leaves out a note, but Luke adds it. Luke 21:11, the same verse it says this: "There will be earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places." You say, what's a pestilence? Historically, pestilences up until modern times were called plagues. Now they're called epidemics or pandemics, just like COVID-19. Now, I am not declaring that COVID-19 is some sign that Jesus is going to return in 2021. That's not what I'm declaring. But I am declaring this, this is normal and it's only going to get worse as the second coming of Christ approaches. This past year has been humbling for almost all of us. I remember the first time I heard that uh, we were going to experience uh, this pandemic or or that there were parts of our nation that were experiencing a shutdown. I remember hearing about friends in California who were going to shut down their churches and the restaurants were closing. And I can remember thinking almost exactly a year ago that this would never happen in West Virginia right? The people out on the West Coast, they do some different things, but people here in West Virginia, we're never going to shut down. The pandemic is never going to hit us. Well, then within a few days, we were shutting down. And I realized people have different opinions about the pandemic and some of the science, but all I know and all I can speak from is from the position of a pastor, not the position of a doctor, not the position of a scientist, but from the position of a pastor. I am weary and tired of seeing people die from COVID-19. I know that COVID-19 affects mostly those with comorbidities. And it mostly affects people who are up in age. But I have relatives with comorbidities. And, and I have relatives who are up in age. And I have church members with comorbidities. And church members who are up in age. And we have buried far too many this past year. But Jesus said, Expect that it's only going to get worse. In verse 8, he puts it this way of Matthew 24, these are just the beginning of birth pangs. Again, this is his way to say things are going to increase, they're going to intensify. Birth pangs don't tell a sweet mother the exact moment of her child's birth, but they do indicate that the time is getting shorter and a new reality is nearer than ever. And what we see happening around us in the world today indicates that the time is getting shorter and the new reality of Jesus' return is nearer than ever. Luke 21, 8, Jesus said, When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Not only will the signs of nature get worse, but also the signs in society are going to get worse. Notice what he writes in verse 9. Then you will be handed over and persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Unfortunately, one of the signs that Jesus' return is getting near is that Christian persecution is intensifying. According to organizations like The Voice of the Martyrs and others, I read this week about a Christian woman in India who watched as her Christian sister is dragged off by Hindu nationalists. She doesn't know if her sister is dead or alive. I read about a Christian man in North, Korea prison, North Korean prison camp who was shaken awake after being beaten unconscious for his faith. And then the beatings began again. I read about a Christian girl in Nigeria who had to run for her life trying to escape from Boko Haram about a group of Christian kids who were giggling as they walked into their church and instantly all of them were killed by a bomb blast. That was last Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka. According to Todd Johnson at Gordon-Conwell, we estimate that more than 70 million Christians have been martyred over the last 2,000 years but more than half of them have died in the 20th century under fascist and communist regimes. We also estimate that one million Christians were killed between 2001 and 2010, and another 900,000 Christians were killed from 2011 to 2020, all for their faith. This past week or a little over a week ago was the six-year anniversary of when the 21 Christians, the 21 Coptic Christians from Egypt were murdered, were were martyred for their faith. This happened in Libya. They were there on a construction project, and they were targeted just because they were Christian. And the the caption that, that the terrorists wrote on the screen was this, the people of the cross, the followers of the hostile Egyptian church. They singled out the people of the cross. Daily Christians are dying for their faith in places like Burma and China and India and Iran and Nigeria and North Korea and Pakistan and Saudi Arabia and Syria and Vietnam and Afghanistan and Algeria and Bahrain and the Central African Republic and Egypt and Indonesia and Iraq and Kazakhstan and Malaysia and Sudan and Turkey. And while we sip on our coffee and donuts and get angry and debate the mid-trib, pre-trib, and post-trib positions, there are people in a large part of the world who really believe they are living in the tribulation period because life is so hard for them to be Christian. But I think verses 10 through 12 really summarizes what many of us experience in America. Jesus also said that at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other because of the increase of wickedness. The love of many will grow cold. Jesus said that one of the signs, and even if most of us have never experienced or seen martyrdom, most of us have seen and experienced this, it's the same thing that Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2-5. through 5. He said, in the last days, now before I read this list, what would you include in this list for the last days? What would you include to be a description of the last days? What sins would you include? Listen to what Paul includes. He says, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, is this not what we see today? We love to pick out two or three big sins and preach about those two or three big sins. But 2 Timothy chapter 3 hits us right where we're living. Jesus said the love of many will grow cold. But yet I'm so thankful that even in the bad news, there's good news. And that good news is that in the last days, Jesus said the gospel is going to be broadcast all over the globe. Notice what he says in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as the testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Thankfully, because of technology, we can declare the gospel in every corner of the globe. You say, well, well, Matt, what's next? What should we be looking for? Jesus tells us in verse 29. He said, there's coming a day, and I believe it's soon. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. It's speaking an apocalyptic language. Is this meteors? Is this some kind of atmospheric condition that causes us not to be able to see the light? I don't know. But he says, the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And they will appear the sign, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send his angels with a loud trumpet and they will gather his elect from the four winds. He goes on to tell us in Revelation chapter 19 verse 11, I saw heaven standing open Riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with, a rod of, a, with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then one more verse, Matthew 25, verse 31. Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, he will sit on his glorious throne. All of human history has been pointing to this day. The Old Testament contains over 300 promises about the coming of Christ to earth. About 100 of them were fulfilled in Jesus' first coming at Christmas which means the remaining two-thirds are yet to be fulfilled at his second coming. In other words, Christmas in Bethlehem literally happened. Jesus growing up in Nazareth literally happened. His perfect life literally happened. His dying on the cross for our sins literally happened. His resurrection literally happened. His ascension literally happened. therefore, his second coming will literally happen. You say, Matt, how do we prepare? Jesus could return at any time, so let's be ready all the time. How do we get ready? How do we prepare for this? Just two applications and we'll be done. Number one, I want to encourage you today to watch for the Lord. Watch for the Lord. None of us know when Jesus will return. Therefore, it's important that we watch for, that we long for, that we prepare for his return. That's what he said in Matthew 24, verse 44. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. I want to share a burden for a moment Having done this for 19 years as in vocational pastoral ministry, I am burdened that many of us are so consumed with charts and graphs and diagrams and timelines that we're really not ready for the second coming of Christ. Now, I'm all for a good debate. I'm all for a good discussion. I love to discuss things that the church has debated and discussed for 2,000 years, but I'm very, very burdened. There is a difference between being right about the second coming and being ready for the second coming. It is actually more important to be ready for the second coming than it is to be right about the details of the second coming. So I want to encourage you to ask yourself this question, am I more concerned about being right or being ready? Do I love God and others? Do people in my church know me for being a fruit of the Spirit, full of love and mercy and joy and peace? Or am I more known for causing division and arguing and being cantankerous about details that no one has been able to be dogmatic on for 2,000 years. Am I known for loving God and others? Do I regularly confess my sin to God? Am I regularly confessing my sin and participating and humbling myself with other brothers and sisters? Do I make the same choices in private that I would make in public? If Jesus returns, would he find me living for him or would he find me with a secret life? Again, back to the app. If you want to know more about what the Bible has to say about all the things we can't be dogmatic about, I would encourage you to check out those notes on the app. There's an entire appendix about that today. But it's again, it's more important that we be ready than being right. Lastly and secondly, I want to encourage you to work for the Lord. Not only to watch for the Lord, I want to encourage you to work for the Lord. In the remaining part of chapter 24 and 25, Jesus tells us several stories urging us to work for him until he returns. That's why I'm so thankful for so many of you who have the desire to serve your community for Christ. It's why so many of you are serving at warming centers this winter. It's why so many of you are helping with projects at schools, at least in our area, like Mary C. Snow Elementary. It's why so many of you are volunteering to assist people with their taxes through programs like the VITA program at the Maker Center. It's why so many of you help to provide a state dinner for the individuals at the Sojourn's Women's Shelter on Valentine's Day. It's why so many of you are giving so generously for us to be able to continue to stay online and on TV. Your funding is making that possible. And I believe you're doing it because you believe in the second coming of Christ. It's why so many of you are involved with Charleston Mountain Mission and Union Mission Ministries because you believe what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 25. If we believe his second coming, we will work for him. Jesus finishes his sermon. And I have never noticed it until this week. But he finishes his sermon in Matthew 24 and 25. It's all one sermon. It's called the that Discourse. He finishes his sermon on the Mount of Olives with making an application about his second coming that I've never seen connected until this week. How is it that doing good works for people, tangible works, to alleviate human suffering? How is it that it's connected to his second coming? Listen to what he says. When the Son of Man comes in all of his glory, verse 31 of Matthew 25, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me. And I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. And I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and when did we feed you and give you something to drink? And the king will reply, truly I tell you that whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink and I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will say, Lord, when did, the, when did the, these things happen? When did we not do these things? And Jesus said, I will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me, then they will go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into eternal life. Let's work for the Lord. Let's watch for the Lord. Jesus could return at any time. So let's be ready all the time. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com or check us out on social media. You can also join us in person for services on Thursday at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m.